dead won't bother you. It's the living you gotta worry about. Something if I couldn't keep them there with me whole, I, at least I felt that I could keep uh, their skeletons. Hello. <laughs> that's the start of this oh, episode. Okay. No, that's how we started. I was gonna try to talk in like Bill Clinton. I can't do Bill Clinton draw. The whole episode. <laughs> anyway, this is the Bad Taste Crime Cast. I'm your co-host, Vicky. And I am Janelle. And we have a really great episode for you today, just like every other week that we put one out. Because yeah. they're all great. Yeah. Who are we kidding? We're amazing. <laughs> um, no, but we are doing something a little different. We'll get to that in a minute. But we're going to start with some news. I think that's our new thing. I kind of like... I don't know. I kind of want to dive right in, you know? No, yeah. <laughs> you want to be a little like a little bit. <laughs> I feel like our listeners haven't gotten to know us really well. We gotta like be a little more conversational, maybe. Yeah. How are you, Janelle? You I'm having good. a good weekend? Yeah, I, you know, I'm just enjoying we just had the had lovely to- weather. <laughs> we just had a toast crisis. Before yeah, we started <laughs> the <Massive> toast crisis. <laughs> uh, anyway. uh, yeah. So. <laughs> In the news right now, there is a big thing. That's the news. Thanks for listening. News. Things happen. Uh, No, the uh, Aaron Hernandez, who was uh, serving a life sentence for the June 2013 murder of Odin Lloyd, uh, was discovered hanging in his cell by a bedsheet attached to a window at the Sousa Baranowski Correctional Center in Shirley, Massachusetts. So, that happened. Yeah, I didn't really follow that case too much when it was happening, but now yeah. it's kind of, like, all over the news. Yeah, and, I, yeah, I was not really following that one either when it happened, but it's I think it's, one, it's a big deal because he... Um, he played for the Patriots, mm-hmm. if you don't know who Aaron Hernandez is. Um, Which most people probably don't. <laughs> not, not of our listener demographic. Sports. Sports. What are Sports. those? Sportball. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he played for the Patriots. So he is kind I, He's he was famous before he was convicted of... Uh, murder, which is kind of a big deal. The thing that I found interesting about this, so what we know, what we know is when they found him, he had the Bible verse 316 written on his forehead in red. Because he's a Stone Cold Steve Austin fan. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they've thought about that. I'm sure they, they jumped right to the Bible, but that... Breaking the case that right seems now. That's a little more likely, actually. Um... And he also had an open Bible next to him. Maybe that's why they would jump to the Bible verse. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Um, they are saying that there might also be a reason, allegedly, that he may have smoked K2 before ending his life. In just, jail? Well, it's you can kind of... Get, I feel like that would be harder to get than actual and, marijuana. But what if you're Aaron Hernandez? I'm, Is it easier for a semi-celebrity? I mean, maybe he maybe, was he a probably. celebrity. Would he be considered? I don't know. I mean, sports. 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 <laughs> the answer is sports. Yeah. Yep. Um, so his lawyer, actually, Joe Baez, has um, is calling for an investigation into his death, saying it's just as likely that he could have been murdered by inmates or possibly other guards, or he grew a conscience. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Well, and the timing of it is really interesting too, because he had just been. Um, I believe he was in the appeals process for two other murder convictions. Mm. I believe, and he had just there's some there's something with being in the middle of the appeals process, and he had gotten to the point where he was essentially going to be getting a new trial. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so now they kind of don't know what's happening with that. It's also had a problem with the victims' families because the trial essentially got reset. Um, it's almost like starting from the beginning. So any restitution or anything that needed to be paid out now that he has passed away gets a little tricky because it's yeah. tied up in the court system. So we'll see what happens with that, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, Probably that that was an interesting. Not a whole lot. I'm wondering. This is. I should say this is what we know at the time of recording this episode. It's entirely possible that more information has come out um, since we've recorded. But I think this will be an interesting case to watch and see how the court system For is sure. going to handle it. The other thing. This is just a random, random thing I happen <laughs> to stumble upon. But did you know? Janelle, that this October, the JFK files are supposed to be declassified. (gasps) No. They're all going to be blacked out. (laughs) Yeah, everything will be redacted. Um, It will just say a JFK and everything will be blacked out. Now, there is some information out there online, some digital pictures and Mm -hmm. stuff that they have put out. I don't think everything is out. A lot of people are theorizing that it's not really going to be anything new, necessarily, or really that exciting. But you, never know. It's, you can be allowed, you're allowed to be excited it's about whatever you It's funny that you bring want. this up because <laughs> my grandmother was talking about this at Easter. Okay, she's on a slow decline, but she keeps bringing up this weird stuff lately, and it's mostly revolving around JFK oh. and how she knows that LBJ did it. LBJ? I was like, Grandma, where... What is Grandma's a what is going on? This she I come from her, yes. but <laughs> everything yeah. about my grandmother, I know where I came from. <laughs> Which actually great that she brought it up. That what? is the perfect segue into our episode today, <laughs> uh, because like I said at the beginning, we are going to be doing something a little bit different. Did you have anything else to add before we move on? No. Okay. I don't want to <laughs> skip over. No, anything. it's okay. It was okay. just funny. <laughs> um, so we did actually get our first listener suggestion, and it did kind of come in a roundabout way. So, uh, Wani who is a friend of the pod, texted me the other day and said, are you guys going to do any conspiracy theories? I don't know if I've told you the story, actually, of how I no, got to this No, episode. you're just like, this is a listener yeah. suggestion. I was like, oh, we yeah. have listeners? <laughs> yeah, yeah, surprisingly enough, people are um, So he texted me the other day and was like, are you guys ever going to look at any conspiracy theories? And I kind of thought, well, we're a crime podcast. Does he know me? I love yeah, conspiracy. Yeah, Janelle is all about it. <laughs> I love conspiracies, I but I'm thinking, the rabbit hole. <laughs> right. I'm thinking, well, yeah, as it relates to crime, because right. that's what we talk about. So I thought, well, we're, what can we do with that? So I went to Google and <laughs> our number one resource. typed in, yeah, um, typed in, I don't even remember. I think it might have been like murder conspiracy theories or conspiracy. You got to be careful because there's like conspiracy to commit murder is an actual crime. Yeah. So like, <laughs> which is not what we were looking for. No. <laughs> so I happened to stumble upon this theory that is called the Clinton body bags theory. Mm-hmm. Now from the outright, there's a couple of things I want to say before we um, really dive into it. Oh boy. <laughs> First of all, we're not a political podcast. No. Um, this has, and we pretend in our minds. <laughs> yeah. This has nothing to do with politics. And so by saying that, I'm going to try to avoid making any commentary on that side of things because that's not really what we're here to do. Right. Um, 
regardless, you know, we're just we're just not going to talk about it. It doesn't really play into this at all. Strictly murder. Yes. Uh, so I think that was really the big one. I guess the other thing I want to say is because we're doing this a little, it's a little bit different from our normal episodes where we talk about crime. Um, we're going to kind of do a theory section. I don't know. Just roll with us, I think. And <laughs> yeah, we're, we'll see how it goes. If it's something that you guys like, <laughs> yeah, if it's something that you guys like, let us know and maybe we'll do something like this again. All that being said, we are going to talk about Vince Foster. Uh, some of you might recognize that name. Uh, for those of you that don't, let me give you a little background information. <laughs> he was born in Hope, Arkansas to Alice May and Vincent W. Foster, who was a super prosperous real estate uh, sales and development guy. Uh, he also happened to be childhood neighbors with Bill Clinton um, for the first eight years of his life. Who'd have thunk it? Right? That's where our story begins. <laughs> Uh, he was also childhood friends with Mac McClarty, who would later become White House Chief, Chief of Staff for Bill Clinton when he was elected in 1993. Uh, uh, Foster grew up as just kind of this all-American guy. He excelled as a student athlete. Um, he was also the student council president before graduating from Hope High School in 1963. From there, he went on to receive his bachelor's degree in psychology from Davidson College in 1967 and ended up choosing to pursue law at Vanderbilt University Law School instead of going and joining the family real estate business. There, he joined the Arkansas National Guard at the apex of the Vietnam War to allegedly avoid the military draft. (laughs) Crafty son of a bitch. (laughs) Uh, eventually, he ended up transferring to Arkansas School of Law, where he achieved his Juris Doctor and graduated first in his class, scoring the highest in his class on the Arkansas Bar Exam. I had to look this up because I have no idea what Juris Doctor is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's also known as the Doctor of Jurisprudence, and it's a graduate entry professional degree in law. It's basically the equivalent of a professional doctor degree in the United States. It equals out to a couple other things in other countries, but it's that's not really important to this. In 1974, Foster was made partner at Rose Law Firm in Little Rock, Arkansas, where he worked alongside legal aid clinic worker Hillary Rodham. Oh, who's that? (laughs) Oh, I don't know that last name. No. Uh, They worked together in successfully overcoming an unreasonable measuring requirement for indigent clients. Uh, He also initiated Hillary's hiring at the firm where she was the first ever female associate and later the first female partner at the law firm. He was also incredibly successful, often being compared in substance and style to Gregory Peck's portrayal of Atticus Finch in To Kill a Mockingbird. So he was horribly racist? Well. Because <laughs> he actually was. I mean, it is. He was. But it is, and it is Ooh, literary in knowledge. South, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think maybe it's just more of like. This a, is Arkansas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no. Just leave it at that. <laughs> Mud country. (laughs) 
1992, Bill Clinton won the presidential election and Vince Foster joined his transition team. After Clinton was inaugurated, Foster then joined his White House staff as the deputy White House counsel in early 1993. He was initially really apprehensive to leave his firm in Little Rock. He had made such a name for himself there. I think he was just a little bit wary of going into some new things. Uh, but a lot of the partners from his, from the Rose Law Firm in Little Rock would actually follow him to DC, including William H. Kennedy, who served as his associate counsel, and Webster Hubble, who became associate attorney general. So he wasn't alone, plus <laughs> he knows the Clintons, so there's that. Yeah, it's all very familial. Yeah. Uh, Vince Foster had a really difficult time making the transition uh, to the White House. Which is funny, because he's part of the transition team. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a joke in there somewhere? (laughs) Uh, He didn't really come from this political or campaign background. He's a lawyer. That's what he knew. So he was really kind of nervous. His wife and his youngest son decided to remain in Little Rock so that his son could finish his senior year in high school. So he really kind of... Uh, went out there by himself and these families with really strong ties can be strongly affected by this extended separation on both sides. The, you know, Um, his role on the transition team initially was vetting potential administration appointees. This role would eventually cause him much depression and anxiety. And in particular, he felt responsible for the failed Zoe Baird nomination. This Topic? I'm going through these things, and it is a fucking rabbit hole. Holy moly. Oh, yeah. Like, I would have to pull myself back a little bit, and it was really hard to pare down this information, because <laughs> there's so much stuff I have never heard of. Like, for instance, this uh, Zoe Bear nomination. What happened was she was nominated by President Bill Clinton in 1993 as the first woman to be Attorney General, but later she withdrew her nomination when it was discovered that she had hired illegal immigrants and failed to pay taxes on their employment. Okay. And eventually this became known as Nanny Gate. Oh my god. I know. They take any oh uh, any controversy <laughs> or anything and they just add gate to the back of it. It's like really Yeah. You know, and then it makes it like scary sounding. Of course they're gonna like out the woman when in fact you know all of these politicians have hired illegal immigrants and oh, not right, pay taxes right. on them. But let's just make a, you know, mockery of the woman doing it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and Baird, she had actually followed legal advice regarding the payment of the taxes on the on her household employees. And Vince Foster believed she had been justified in doing this and following this legal advice. So he made a choice to kind of move forward with it, it sounded like to me. And she eventually withdrew. So... Uh, this choice left a blemish really on the beginning of his time at the, at, at the White House and on the White House staff. His other responsibilities included preparation of executive orders, analyzing the legal effects of various policies, examining international treaties, discussing the ramifications of authorizations for use of military force and authorizing expenditures within the White House, as well as other various tax prep stuff. Sounds like a great weekend, right? Yeah, this is, like, all-encompassing. Like, yeah. like, just do all of this. Well, it really shows you how much trust Bill Clinton had in him when he had appointed him to the White House staff, because he put him in charge of vetting all of these potential um, appointees. He had all of these extended responsibilities uh, that Bill was just like, here you go. 
Yeah. Like, pass the buck. <laughs> a, li- a little. I mean, I'm sure they have to give it to somebody, but I think Bill really trusted him to, to be able to do the job properly, and Vince was kind of... I don't want to say folding under the pressure, but, like, the pressure was a lot for him when he was in, yeah, in the White House. Yeah, especially you don't really have a whole lot of experience in this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm sure there wasn't anyone, like, assisting him or giving him guidance as to what he needed to do. Yeah, and he was really just kind of thrust into this crazy political world. A lot of times he'd be working 12-hour days and six or seven days a week. And after a short time of this, he did start losing weight too. Uh, so it was really wearing on him physically as well. I definitely get the impression that he was, Vince Foster was extraordinarily hard on himself in his professional career, that he didn't really accept failures or missteps as part of government life. And politicians especially must be able to recover from these controversies and stuff if they want to continue working in this political machine. You got to be able to bounce back. (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's gotta be rough, I imagine. It's so, like, researching this stuff just reminded me of House of Cards and even furthered my disdain for all politics. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy when you think about... uh, Because... Realistically, it's it seems to be just one controversy after another, after another, after another. And if you don't bounce back, obviously, you're not going to have a job. It. You're either going to fail out and not have a job, or, like, in this case, your mental state is going to fail you out, and it's going to be potentially harmful yeah. in the long <laughs> run. Uh, Vince Foster was also the target target of several negative Wall Street Journal editorials in June and July of 1993 in the wake of yet another government scandal dubbed Travelgate. Oh my god, all these gates. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is another one I did have to do a little research into, and the gist of it... I mean, if you think about back when this was occurring, we were very young. <laughs> yes, yeah. So... Oh yeah, so we I would not have... current politics at right. the time. No. No. <laughs> I was too busy, like, sipping juice and watching cartoons. I didn't start keeping up with current politics until, <laughs> like, three years ago. Okay. Let's be honest. Um, so I started way earlier than uh, yeah, that. Yeah, no, that's I fine. did not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the gist of it is that it had to do with the release of several employees of the travel travel office due to, according to the White House, uh, financial improprieties in the travel office operations during previous administrations uh, that had been revealed by an FBI investigation. The critics, however, thought that the firings were done to allow friends of the Clinton to take over the travel businesses. Yeah, because if you if you just made a nice little like diagram of all the people that were employed by the Clintons and then drew arrows to the people that they are close with, you'd have a lot of arrows everywhere. Yeah. It's pretty much 75%, I would say, of the people that they employed, they were close yes friends and, with yes or and related no. to. Yes and no. <laughs> um, and actually, we'll talk about that a little Not bit. Not necessarily just in his presidency, yeah, but yeah, like yeah. when he was, you know, at just a state well, level. Well, and I, I imagine in, because Bill Clinton, before he became president, he was also what? He was in like the... House of Representatives for a little bit, wasn't he? He was a senator, governor. (laughs) I don't know. He was a governor for two terms, I think. What is history? Yeah. (laughs) The point is, is he had a lot of political offices before he got into the presidency. I know for sure he was governor. (laughs) (laughs) And he, I mean, you have to make a certain amount of 
political friends. Maybe I don't. don't. Maybe I shouldn't make statements. I don't know. Fact, I don't fucking know politics. That's not my show. I'm going to talk about murder. Not I know he was president. That's all yeah. that's important. That is, I mean, really, if you look at the list of things, I'm pretty sure president tops the list. I'm pretty sure that's, yeah. like, the most important. I mean, yeah. Anything else does that matter. But can you name what number president? See, we're lost again. I was, nope. <laughs> I was listening to someone else make a joke um, about, like, if we went back in time, like, if we were a time traveler, mm-hmm. and someone was trying to test your knowledge, how we would miserably fail, like, oh, who's going to be the next president? It's like, ah, ooh, what year is it? I mean, it depends. If it's, like, um, ten, year, ten years back, <laughs> I got it. But if it's, like, and I thought about that. I was years like, back. How can you prove you're from the future no. if you're completely inept when it comes to politics and history? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I can tell you that in the year 2017, a company named Starbucks will make a unicorn frappuccino. And they're like, what's a unicorn? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, so through all of this, Vince Foster really struggled with depression, and he was eventually prescribed the antidepressant trazodone over the phone by his doctor back in Arkansas. And it was Sounds initially... Legit. yeah. It was initially uh, starting with a low dose, but the following day after he had been prescribed this, uh, Vince Foster was found dead in Fort Marcy Park in Virginia, which is a federal state park. Um, that's kind of an important thing. We'll get to that a little later. An autopsy determined that he was shot in the mouth and had no additional wounds on his body. They also found a resignation letter torn into 27 pieces in his briefcase. I had a specific counting of the pieces. <laughs> well, I'm sure, I mean, it came from, like, evidence lists and whatever. Because they <laughs> eventually, they did, they did investigate uh, into his death. Um, right. Because, I mean, even if it is a suicide, you still have to do... Yeah. Some sort of work. <laughs> yeah. And this and this resignation letter that they found became interpreted as a suicide note of sorts. I want to be clear, it was not a suicide note. Um, and this is going to come up later, but it, it was a resignation letter that was torn up and found in his briefcase. It contained a list of complaints specifically, including, quote, the WSJ editors lie without consequence and, quote, I was not meant for the job or the spotlight of public life in Washington. Here, ruining people is considered sport. He also wrote that he, quote, made mistakes from ignorance and experience and overwork. And I did not knowingly violate any law or standard of conduct. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a suicide note. (laughs) No. And they had also... It had come. I don't know if it came out later or at the time of the investigation, but that he had scheduled a meeting actually with Bill Clinton. I think the following day, yeah. um, which would kind of. I mean, if you're suicidal too, um, more often than not, you're not going to seek out help immediately, and then kill yourself. In mm-hmm. in the um, stuff that I've read in investigations, I've read a lot of conspiracy suicide stuff. Um, you don't seek help. That's why you're committing suicide. Right. Yeah. So for him to call his doctor and be like, I need help, I need medication, um, to me that says that he w- he was fully aware of what was going on yeah. and he knew that he needed help. And I think it's interesting that after one day of being prescribed medication that he, um, that this happened because I think one day of being on medication for depression or anxiety isn't necessarily going to do anything. It's not going to do anything. You need to be on it for a while, you think. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've taken 
when I was in high school, I took anxiety medication and it makes like the, it gives you all of the symptoms. Like you're sick and you're tired and it like kind of intensifies yeah. at, at first because your body is like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Um, but then it's supposed to mellow you out. But of course it's trial and error with right. anxiety meds, antidepressants, anything like that. Um, that's the downside to it because also some of those medicines intensify your suicidal thoughts. Yeah. Which is like the exact counter opposite. But they say if that happens, then that means that it's not a chemical imbalance, that it's something more emotional, more anxiety driven. Yeah. So, I mean, one day would not cause him to increase his, like, if he had suicidal thoughts. Yeah. You'd have to be taking it for at least a week before you could feel anything, really. Yeah. Um, so after his death, there were five subsequent investigations from various agencies within the government, and each concluded that his death was a suicide. So now you might be thinking to yourself, but wait, there wasn't a crime committed here. Why the hell are we talking about this right now? Uh, let's switch gears. A, we're going to switch gears a little bit, and we're going to talk about a prominent conspiracy theorist, Linda Thompson. Mm-hmm. She was active. She was really, really active in the '90s, and I think she did pass away in 2009. Um, but to me, in my research, it seemed that she was uh, most well known for making a video series called "Waco: The Big Lie" as a stark criticism of the government's handling of the events of Waco and making claims that the government had intentionally murdered mm-hmm. uh, members of the Branch Davidia. Uh, yeah, the Branch Davidians. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, I, Those are my kinds of conspiracies. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And it was really like the I'm government. Dr- it biting wasn't. my tongue this whole time, like, don't bring up this. Don't bring up this. <laughs> it was really like, rather than, from what I could tell, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm sure you know about this, but <laughs> it, instead of the government going into kind of subdue this conflict at the compound that they intentionally went in with the the plan to kill everybody in the compound? Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. what the theory they is? They murdered okay. entire families, children, everyone. Yeah, which, I don't know, for me, I think obviously that is not the case. I'm sure they did not go in with the plan of that happening. It's just how the events kind of I mean, if you know anything out. about Waco and the Branch Davidians, I mean... They had guns. Yeah. They had guns on guns on guns. Yeah. Maybe we'll do an episode on the Branch Davidians. Yeah. I think that that's would be a really list. interesting topic. That's, that's what There's that so many things really on the list. Um, but during this research for all of these films, Thompson created this list out of thin air. Uh, or was it? Literally based on her own intuition. This is the, f- the first initial <laughs> list, at least. Is this his body count list? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the first list that she created, it was 24 people that she believed Bill Clinton must have killed in his rise to power as the president of the United States. <laughs> the great conqueror, Bill Clinton. Yeah. Uh, she took this list and it was lobbied to Congress several times for these claims of hers that she was making to be investigated before she was able to convince William Dannemeyer, who had just retired from the House of Rep- representatives, but was also a huge conspiracy theorist. And the two would continue to contact as many Congress people as possible, while in the meantime, Thompson created another list in which the body count had increased to 34 people (laughs) and self-published it under the name The Clinton Body Count Coincidence or The Kiss of Death. (laughs) 
Because <laughs> of that. And I, they, I'd seen that it is probably out there in PDF form, but. There's lots of lists. The thing is, yeah, the thing is, is that this has been around since the 90s, and people have really, really latched onto this. Oh, yeah. And have up, they've even updated it for Hillary Rodham Clinton's uh, campaign. Yep. I think the last update, yeah, I think the last update I saw was like 2016. So last year they were, they were still updating this list. So finding the original, I I couldn't, I really wanted to, but I couldn't. There are some current, you know, murders that happened, um, just off the top of my head that, um, White House correspondent who, was he a correspondent? No. Um, J- uh, Jason Rich or something, something like that. I think um, I know who, who you're was talking gunned about. down in Washington yes. while he was walking back home. Mm-hmm. Super current. They also that's on that was added to yes. the, their list. Yeah, and that I is, feel so bad because that I mean he really was actually like murdered. Most of the yeah. list is the people who have died in plane crashes or by suicides. <laughs> and I think I came across an article from that one specifically that was like an interview with his the the guy's his family, parents. Yeah. And his parents were like, he would think it's absurd that he has become the center of this right. conspiracy, this conspiracy theory, theory that it's theory. just really, I mean, you know. He was living in more, you know, a nicer, more affluent neighborhood in Washington, yeah. D.C., but crime can happen anywhere. Mm-hmm. People can rob you anywhere. Um, stray bullets, they happen. So, I mean, it's not crazy yeah. to think that it was just he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and he just, a stray bullet, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, let's talk about some of these claims that Linda Thompson made. I'm going to kind of, I'm going to go through them, and you tell me what you think, if it oh, sounds like complete bullshit goody. or not. I, yeah. ugh, probably bullshit, but that's okay. <laughs> so, the first is that the White House, and I... I'm doing air quotes around White House because it's like, really, who does that? You can say the White the House did this, but what does that mean? The actual yeah, House did it. <laughs> yeah. Um, that the White House ordered his death to be investigated only by park rangers and not by the FBI. The FBI doesn't have to get involved unless... So here's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, that is absolutely mm, false. Um, yeah, it was no. investigated by the FBI... And we'll actually, I did find the FBI Do they reports. Have to because it's on government property, technically? Yeah. It's, a, okay. it's on government property. Like, However, it was also a, a, a federal official. state park. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was investigated by the, um, what do they call it? It's like the federal, federal park police, I think. They are an actual police force right, yeah. that did investigate it alongside the FBI. So it's not like it's, they called a bunch of park rangers, park down rangers to look at this body. All they know yeah. how to do is put out forest fires. Yeah, and it, te- <laughs> it technically was the U.S. Park Police. That's what it is, the U.S. Park Police. Mm-hmm. It was technically their jurisdiction, so they investigated alongside with the FBI. I did actually find um, a really, I don't know if it's all, it can't be all of, but it's a really large chunk of the FBI, uh, FOIA documents, um, online on, on the FBI's website that we'll put up on our website. It was interesting because in these reports, it's a lot of shit to go through. I'll be mm-hmm. honest, I did not go through all of it because they have like four different reports and each report is like hundreds of pages. Oh, yeah. But it has stuff like his, you know, his schooling information and his family and blah, 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 blah. But then they also talk about in the investigation problems that came up that were addressed, like what, like they addressed some of these claims of, um, 
I don't want to say some of these claims of these conspiracy theorists, but there were things that came up like where the blood was pooling in the body that a lot of mm-hmm. people pointed to or the lack of uh, blood, blood yeah. at the scene. So they really go through and address a lot of uh, these issues. And I found it really interesting to read through actually a now, little bit. He, he had shot himself. Yes. Correct? Yeah. Um, like, Front side? He shot himself in the mouth. Okay. Yeah, so it would have been, like, barrel in the mouth and then Mm -hmm. out through the back. There was an issue where there were a lot of really... I, there were a lot of really weird things, and I don't honestly think that we're going to get to all of them in this right, episode. No. <laughs> um, there was something about originally when they did the autopsy, the coroner not seeing an exit wound, but later had gone back and there was an exit wound, actually, and he just had not seen it the first time. I mean, I guess it depends on what kind of gun you're using, but yeah. generally, I mean, if it's a larger gauge, yes, I would say there would be an exit wound. But yeah. if it's a small, just pistol, I could see that not coming out. Right. Your skull is pretty thick. Yeah, and it wasn't, it wasn't like a super small pistol. I'll have to see if I can find the picture and show you, because it was like a, I don't know, because that, Cause there's people, so many things with yeah, this one that are like. imagine shooting themselves in, you know, the head or in the mouth, yeah. they think shotgun, like that's the first thing that comes to mind and then blowing the back of your head out, but like, right. most people use handguns. Yeah, yeah. No one's gonna like. Shotgun. (laughs) The next claim that Linda Thompson made was that uh, Vince Foster's briefcase and personal items had been gone through uh, by the White House instead of by law enforcement. And by gone through, I mean, it wasn't, like, investigated. It was, like, they went through to double check and make sure, like, see what was in there. That's what she was claiming. They very clearly did not because you cannot take evidence in an ongoing investigation. Right. Um laws. <laughs> um, and did I, let me see if I put this in here. I mean, if something was <clears throat> accounted for and then lost, I could see that claim somewhat being true, but I, I didn't see anything like that. Like, no. Oh, and it was definitely, from what missing. I could tell, the FBI got there and took the evidence from Pretty the quickly, scene, yeah. at least. Um, the next one, Vince Foster's resignation letter only appeared in his briefcase three days after his death, which is partially true, and I'll get back to that, um, but that there was also a palm print that was found on it that was never investigated. Uh, so in the reports, what happened is when they had initially gone through all of his items, they did not find the resignation letter, from what I could tell. And upon reinvestigation of the items three days later, they noted that there was uh, this resignation letter in the briefcase. And I think it was just the initial going through it. They missed it. I don't think it was... And it was torn into bits, right? Right. Yes. I I mean, well, it depends on what kind of briefcase I can see how that can be construed as, like, a planting of evidence. It is a little fishy. It's weird that, I mean, if it was torn into 27 pieces, as they say, like, wouldn't you find at least, like, a part of it or like one piece yeah. anything <laughs> yeah i don't know and to, i mean that's that sounds a little suspect. and i'm it, or it like depends they, on the briefcase I, or they were very firmly like he killed himself case closed yeah <laughs> which i don't i think initially when they were investigating it i don't know that they ruled it a suicide right away yeah it wasn't until at least the first investigation into it and then the four subsequent after that well when they investigate a crime, they're not going to go through the contents of the case 
at the scene. Right. They're going to take, they're going to catalog that suit, that briefcase as whatever in the evidence, mm-hmm. and then take it back and investigate it. It could have just taken him that long to get to that piece of evidence. Yeah. To look through it to well, see what was inside of it. And I imagine if it's, depending on the briefcase, how many pockets there are, some yeah. of those briefcases are pretty intense. Freaking complicated, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, now that I think about it, I could see why it would take that long because they're in a national park. He is a government figure. They're mm-hmm. going to want to tag everything, get it out of there as quickly as possible, and mm-hmm. then sift through the evidence to confirm it was a suicide. Right. So I guess I could see where her, you know, yeah, thing yeah. Would be messed up. <laughs> uh, the other claim that I found that was one of the big ones that she made was that the gun that Foster used to shoot himself wasn't his and was placed in his hand after his death, uh, which is a false claim. It was, in fact, his gun, and forensic analysis proved the gun was in his hand at the time of his death. Did they do, like, a I'm sure they did powder a, residue yeah. kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. There were claims, too, about, um, I think, the widow being coerced into claiming, like, recognizing the gun when she went to go He could have had a gun stuff. and I mean, not even been aware that he had a gun. Yeah. It's not like, yeah. um, I'm going to share that I purchased a gun with my yeah. wife if she's well, and she not okay said, with guns. <laughs> she had said, yeah, that's his gun. Okay. But they're like, oh, no, they coerced her into saying that it was his. <laughs> yeah. That's where you into the real crazy conspiracy <laughs> theories. Uh, other uh, claims made by conspiracy theorists... Uh, other than Linda Thompson, was that the letter of resignation found in Foster's briefcase was actually a suicide note. I'm not sure. I mean, it sounds more exciting, I guess, if it's a suicide note, but I don't think that... I think that's one of those things that people just started claiming and everybody kind of latched onto. It wasn't. It was a resignation letter. Um, I, I don't know that they even waited too long before they released it to the public either. So that one was definitely disproven. The other thing was that Foster's office was looted by White House staff before law enforcement was able to seal the room for investigation, and that this looting happened before the body was identified as Vince Foster. This one, I kind (laughs) of wish I would have put a little more information in about it, but it had to do with Bill Clinton was off somewhere. Um, I don't think he was at the White House. And the theory goes that, well, who was there to kind of clean up this mess and, you know, whatever. Well, Hillary Clinton was at the White (laughs) House and um, directed the chief of staff to go into Vince Foster's office and collect these boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff before the FBI was able to get there to seal off the room for investigation and find a bunch of stuff. So the claim kind of suggests that there's, like, missing documents and supposedly only 52 pages got released versus <laughs> these boxes of documents that they put out where I can tell that's absolutely false. I don't think that they would, I don't think they would have. I don't know. I just, it just seems a little, I mean, it, what would he have been hiding to where they would need to take documentation out of the I, I, I don't you know. know. I mean? there, there were, like, where is the connection here to what did he have on yeah. them? There that were, would cause them to kill him. Yeah, I think because <laughs> this you when you think, look up Bill Clinton conspiracy theories, oh, this holy this shit. guy yeah. Vince is the first thing that comes up. Vince yeah. Foster, number one, all the time. Yeah, and first of all, sifting through all of that is insane. It's so much because there's so many different so varying much. levels of conspiracy, <laughs> and I think that 
because his suicide happened around the same time as a lot of these really big, um, uh, I cannot think of the word, like mm-hmm. these big things that were happening at the White House. You had Travelgate, yeah. Nannygate. There was, I kept seeing it, it was um, Whitewater. Is that another White House yeah. scandal? That mm-hmm. happened around the same time that he was there. There was um, another, I kept seeing another name pop up. There was something having to do with the investigation into Travelgate and the director of the FBI and one of the co-investigator guys having this disagreement and saying he was covering up information and somehow Vince Foster got involved in that. So like, this is like the perfect thing to set the, set the stage for any conspiracy theory to begin with. I think that's probably why people assume that they would have gone in and taken a bunch of stuff because he had this vast knowledge of all of these (laughs) things that were happening at the White House. The other theory, the big theory that I found is that his body was actually carried to and placed in the park after he was killed, citing a lack of blood and brain tissue at the site. And this is something I think that the FBI addressed in that uh, report that we'll be putting on the website. They talk about, one, they talk about where the, the blood was pooled, but they do talk about the lack of blood, and it had to do with the injury being a head injury and he was kind of, he was wearing a shirt with like a suit coat like you do in Washington. Mm -hmm. And when they took off the suit coat, his shirt was soaked in blood. I saw a picture of the shirt. It was soaked in blood. And I think that because you couldn't see it at the outright, people just assumed there wasn't a lot of blood at the seam and therefore his body would have had to been moved one of the conspiracy theory websites i saw they talked about well they never checked for any strange carpet fibers on him because he could have been placed in the back of his own car and and driven there and dropped off and i'm like yeah but why would they i mean like it's not unless you have anything pointing that way you wouldn't yeah fucking you wouldn't investigate that you wouldn't look into that <laughs> yeah so I don't think that's that's true either. And really, there's been no evidence that any of Thompson's claims or any of these other conspiracy theorist claims are remotely true or plausible. But mm-hmm. these theories still exist today. And the list of bodies has increased since the 90s. Yeah. The list that I was able to find had 50 names on mm-hmm. it. Yep, that's what I found too. 50. Yeah, which is just like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing that I was like, oh, this topic sounds really cool. And then I found a list of 50 names and I was like, what did I get myself into? And then the more you read down it, you're like, no, that's just, yeah. no, they just died in a car crash. Oh, no. Yeah. They just killed themselves. And a lot <laughs> of them is not even necessarily people who worked for or with or near the Clintons. <laughs> they are just people who worked for the government who happened to die during his uh, presidency. Yeah. And a, it was an obscene amount of plane crashes, but it was like private planes. Like people, yeah. they were flying them. So obviously you're just a shitty pilot. Yeah. And you killed yourself and whoever was on board. (laughs) Or, yeah, and it was even things like people getting into car accidents or just, like, if somebody died during the presidency. There were quite a few suicides. Yeah. I think I saw somewhere that his presidency was, like, the highest suicide rate of, this could be completely false, but I feel like I read it somewhere, the highest suicide rate of any presidency. I mean, if you look at those lists. People within the White House. Yeah, there's quite quite a few. Yeah. Um... So the last thing I want to put out, just because I thought this was really interesting, just to bring it into to modern day, is that on May 25th, 2016, 
the Washington Post uh, wrote an article amidst this presidential race between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, <laughs> in which they discussed Trump using these fringe claims to try to discredit Clinton yeah. um, and the Clinton campaign, saying, quote, Foster had intimate knowledge of what was going on. He knew everything that was going on. And then all of a sudden he committed suicide. I don't know enough to really discuss it, but I will say there are people who continue to bring it up because they think it was absolutely murder. End quote. <laughs> From our President Trump. So there's definitely, (laughs) there is definitely, um, it's interesting to me that even, it's just in the 90s, which was a while ago at this point, you know, but that it's still playing to his crowd. I'm surprised that it's still a theory that's so mainstream. Well, because they still, they're still in the spotlight. Yeah. The more she goes out, and tries to become president, yeah. the more they're going to try to find yeah. to discourage her. Yeah. I just thought it was really interesting. And that's, I don't know, I guess it just seems like kind of a random thing to bring up. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> there was if a you lot of go stuff back to that during that yeah, political If you go back to what campaign, was occurring, yeah. he was trying to trudge up anything with even the shred of possibility yeah. of truth. Well, and that, I mean, There's that was no on research both, being both done. sides, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was just as much being done on, on the Democratic side of just, like, these random things being pulled up, admittedly. Like, it just, it was happening on both sides, so it doesn't it really real surprise me, but show. it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I just thought it was interesting. I happened to find Marika. that article. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was, the article basically went on and was like, obviously, this was not a murder. Like, yeah. come on. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was Vince Foster, but you looked into another person on that list, right? Yes. Okay. So, it was funny when you brought this up because I had just listened to the True Crime Garage series and mm-hmm. they did a four part episode called Boys on the Tracks. Okay. And it was about these two boys who, you know, were found on train tracks. They had been run over by a train, but they were already dead. And it just goes into, you know, it's a huge conspiracy case. Yeah. But it also ties in somehow magically to Bill Clinton. Oh, <laughs> So when you came to me with this you know, topic, I was like, oh my god, I just listened to a podcast episode that brought here up. Here I was thinking, I don't know if she's going to go for this. This is kind of random. No, because it's so interesting. (laughs) I mean, I don't believe that that case had anything particularly to do with Bill Clinton. I do believe that there was, like, a drug Mm cover-up, but not Bill Clinton. Yeah. Supposedly, he was the one who was drug-running, um guns and drugs from South America to Arkansas through the main airport for the government, which just sounds absolutely fucking absurd. Wow. I mean, we've done stuff. Yeah. We've given guns to people. I know that happens. But, like, Arkansas as a major hub, I mean, yeah, any airport could have drug running and gun running, but for the government and Bill Clinton was in charge of it, that all of those things together... Doesn't sound plausible. Yeah. Maybe one or two of them. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's that's a really great case. And then I was like, let's see what else I can find. And then I brought up that list with upwards of 50 people on it. It's, it's great because you, you can start your research by typing in oh Clinton God. 
conspiracy, and that is what pops up. Oh, yeah. Number one thing. If you want to start researching this, that's all you gotta do. Go ahead. You won't sleep for days. Oh, no. So, when I went through the list, a lot of the things on there that these people were dying from were, like, car crashes, uh, plane crashes, suicides, and then a couple people of dying of heart attacks, which... Mm -hmm. You're old, you eat like shit, and you work for the government, so your stress level is extremely high. You're probably going to have a heart attack. Um, but the one that really stood out to me, and I was like, hmm, this could be murder. Okay. Um, was the Judy Gibbs um, house fire slash murder. Possible. Possible, Possible. murder. So, Judy Gibbs was a penthouse model and an amateur actress. When I say amateur actress, she was in two movies. <laughs> wow. Super amateur actress. Um, she grew up in Arkansas. She was uh, six of seven children. And they were born in a town that was just outside of Little Rock. So, they had like a, you know, big city, little city duality where they could go to the city, but they also okay. lived in the country. Maybe it's things, are all these people on this list from Arkansas, maybe it's just people from Arkansas. Yeah, just don't go to Arkansas. It's, it's literally <laughs> and you mud won't country. Get killed by the Clintons. It's just yeah. mud country. Um, <laughs> so, unfortunately, this woman had a very terrible upbringing. Um, at a very young age, when she was like thirteen, she was lured into becoming a prostitute by her brother-in-law. So, shitty family, okay. right there. Um, but what he did was he would use her as a lure to bring in um, wealthy, well-known men, and he would try to extort money out of them because she was underage. But she didn't look underage. Uh, if you look at pictures of her, she okay. looked v- very old for her age. Okay. She looked like she was in her mid-twenties. But <laughs> the thing about her brother-in-law was he was a pedophile and a convicted rapist. So not a real reliable person right off the bat. He got her involved in all kinds of prostitution stings and things. And uh, she tried to get out of it. And she started working at a club when she was 18. And this is where she met Bill Clinton. We know for a fact that they met. And this was right when he was... I don't think he had married Hillary Clinton yet, but they were together. Okay. Um, so he has always been known for being like a ladies man. So he had a lot of girlfriends and Judy Gibbs was one of his girlfriends. So she met Bill Clinton and he was kind of like, she was his date when he would come to the club. And eventually she was like, you know what? I can do better than this. Cause all these men she was meeting, she was considered like a high class escort, basically. Okay. Um, she's like, I can do better than this. I should aim a little bit higher. So she decided that she wanted to try and become a model and an actress. So that was like her goal. I mean, you know, I'm going to get the fuck out of here and I'm going to be an, a model and an actress. Those are some good aspirations. So she kind of got her shit together, did some like, you know, little headshots and stuff and moved to California. So while she was out there, she filmed um, two small movies. Um, one was called The Junk Man, and the other one was called Deadline Auto. So these are like late seventies, just like are they like beach movies? <laughs> no, they're, okay. they're like at this time where there's a lot of like car crash, car race, like 
car oh, heist yeah, yeah, movies. Yeah. So both of these movies were like car crash, car heist related movies. Okay. So she played a semi lead role in The Junk Man and then was just kind of like a secondary character in Deadline Auto. Um, and then she started submitting her photos to all these different ad agencies and trying to get work. Um, when that didn't really work out for her, she decided she was going to submit it to Penthouse and Playboy and see, you know, maybe I can get into one of these magazines. So she gets accepted to Penthouse and she becomes the Penthouse pet of, I believe it was 1978. So she starts going to all these parties and meeting all these people and um, she realizes, she's like, I don't really like living in California anymore. I want to go back to Arkansas. And so she goes back to Arkansas. She's still a penthouse pet. She's still doing all these things. She's still traveling, but she comes back to live in Arkansas. So when she comes back, she meets this man who is a real estate agent and broker, which was kind of interesting that you had mentioned that it wasn't his dad, was it? No. Oh, my no, God. No. Vince that Foster was involved in that. And I was yeah. like, oh, this guy was also a real estate broker. Weird. So they were, you know, he was, this guy's name was also Bill. Um, <laughs> Bill Bill Pewterbaugh. the real estate broker? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to show you some pictures of Bill. Him. Wait, what was it? Bill Bill Pewterbaugh. Pewterbaugh. That's him. Like, Whoa. delicious 70s Maine. Like, thick So, tie. I'm not gonna lie, he looks a little bit like David Miscavige. Uh, yeah. Like, it's that, and I think it could be the way the picture is, where it's very, like, um, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's very... It's, it's his, like, it's like an advertisement yeah, for yeah. his company, um, but he was very wealthy and very well-known and very connected in Arkansas. He also knew Bill Clinton, because he had kind of assisted him in looking for um, some property. They never actually sealed the deal, but he knew him from that, and then they all go to the same parties, they all know the same people. It's Little Rock. It's a big town, but a small state. Everyone knows everyone. Yeah. So, um, she meets him, and she decides, you know what, I'm gonna, like, settle down with him. Because she had been going around, you know, living that party girl lifestyle, being a penthouse pet, and she decides, you know, that was real fun. I liked it, but I'm like really in love with this man, and I want to settle down and just live my life because he was fucking rich. So like, yeah. she didn't have to work if she didn't want to. And she was like a very good looking woman, and she was 20 years younger than him. Um, Damn. Yeah. So yeah. she was just like, oh yeah, beautiful. And she, yeah, you know, she when gorgeous. she was going around um, doing her penthouse stuff, she like had changed her hair from a blonde to a redhead to a brunette to see where she could get um, work. And she wound up being a brunette was, like, the way to go. <laughs> she got in penthouse because she was a brunette. I was like, what the fuck? Like, they I mean, made I, a point of, like, putting that information in there. So like, let me okay. just take notes on that for future. Penthouse must be brunette. Must be brunette. <laughs> got it. Saved. So she, like, gave up on her acting career. She decided, yeah, I'm not going to model anymore. Whatever. They quickly moved in together. Their relationship was going great. He was super well-known. He rubbed elbows with all the rich, prominent people in Arkansas, including Bill Clinton. So supposedly, (laughs) Bill Pewterbaugh knew that Judy had had a relationship with him. And when they had been at a party and saw Bill Clinton, they, you know, he went to introduce her and they had already known each other. Um, 
So supposedly after this encounter, Bill Clinton was calling her repeatedly, trying to get a hold of her so that they could date again. Okay. Now at this point, he was already married to, Mar- to Hillary Clinton. He oh, was well. Bill. He was well on his way up um, to becoming the president. He was working his way up here. Um, so supposedly, Bill Pewterbaugh was like, "If that's what you want to do, if you want to, per- you know, if you want to be his date, that's okay with me as long as you come back home to me." Okay. So supposedly, there was an arrangement made to where. She would go and spend weekends with Bill Clinton randomly and come back home and live with her other Bill. Her Bill and Bill. Oh, that's It was a Bill sandwich. Oh, that's so weird. All the Bills. She had all the Bills. Um, So this is is all supposedly or allegedly what happened. Yeah. Okay. Um, The only facts, the legitimate facts that I could find was that she did date Bill Clinton. Bill Pewterbaugh was aware that they dated, and they all knew Bill Clinton. Okay. So those are the only solid facts that I could find thus far. (laughs) All right. So, um, they set up this arrangement, and Bill P., I'll call him, would drive Judy to the Mena Airport, (laughs) which is supposedly the hub of all the activity that Bill Clinton was drug smuggling and gun running at. She would get on a plane and go uh, hang out with Bill Clinton for the weekend. She'd come back and they'd go home. I want that life. Yeah. For so real. She was That'd be great. Basically, again, becoming a high class I mean, escort. I don't want the escort life. So, um, <laughs> supposedly, while they were doing their dates and stuff, I'm doing a lot of supposing here. <laughs> yeah. There were pictures that they had taken, like, you know sexy pictures with each other um, (laughs) that were found and sent to Bill Clinton saying, we have these pictures. We know you're going around sleeping with several women, but we know this woman's name. We know where she lives and we will release these if you don't do what we say. Okay. Nowhere did it say who the people were blackmailing him. Nowhere did it say why they were blackmailing him or it why didn't they give took any demands or no. anything. Or why they took they decided that Judy Gibb was the one that they were going to name. Yeah. It's just I don't know, it didn't make sense to me. Uh but the other theory is that her disgusting sleazy brother in law whose fucking name I keep forgetting because he's such a garbage human. I'll show you the picture. A garbage human? He's a garbage human. He went to jail. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, there's, there's <laughs> his brother I'm going to show you the picture and it was just like headstone, headstone, <laughs> headstone. Oh, yeah. So this is her brother-in-law, Dale Bliss. Okay. Oh, he kind of, you know, he kind of looks like, what's his face? The trucker. Uh, yeah. Uh, From our previous episode. We just did, yeah, yeah. we just fucking talking about him. Oh my god. Um, you know who I was talking about. The cockeyed <laughs> motherfucker. Yes, the cockeyed yeah, motherfucker. Yeah. Um, whips and chains. We'll yes, call him whips, whips and chains. chains. Yeah. <laughs> um, he does look like him. He is a child rapist. He went to jail. He is a disgusting person. But supposedly, he took pictures of Bill Clinton and Judy. And he was using them against her because she had found out that he was raping um, their neighbor. 
Uh, which is a little okay. five-year-old boy, that, that he was actually convicted for raping this child. Yeah. So people were aware that he was, like, a creepy pedophile, but they didn't have any evidence. And she supposedly, Judy supposedly had evidence to oh. convict her brother-in-law. Um, and she was the number, the first person that they spoke to when they were investigating him for these these child molestation charges. Okay. Um, so so the other theory is supposedly he took pictures of them together, not like doing yeah. it, but like together, yeah. um, to use as leverage for her to not say anything about him being a child molester. Got it. Which, so that sounds more plausible to me. I, I could <laughs> see that, but... Because that'll also come up later. Okay. So. <laughs> In my in my theory yes. of what happened. Okay. Um. So after you know they whoever was trying to blackmail Bill Clinton slash Judy Gibbs, this was the early eighties. Um. On January third of nineteen eighty six, Judy Gibbs and Bill Pewterbaugh were at their home, uh, just outside of Little Rock, Arkansas, and. At 2.26 a.m., a phone call came in to the um, dispatch, and it was Judy Gibbs screaming, and she's, they say that she spoke in, like, a Marilyn Monroe voice, like, oh, and, and Judy Gibbs, like oh, that, geez. like, you know, putting it on. Yeah. So, at 2.26 a.m., in her, like, Marilyn Monroe voice, she was screaming on the phone, Bill Pewterbaugh's house is on fire. Hurry. Y'all hurry. <laughs> so. I'm sorry. I'm just imagining how you yell in a Marilyn Monroe voice. Exactly. Hurry. Hurry, hurry y'all. Hurry, y'all. Hurry. And they said it was a screeching <laughs> wail, too. So it's like, how do you sound like Marilyn Monroe, yell, and also yeah. screech? <laughs> Whatever. They were taking artistic <laughs> liberty with yeah. that description. Oh, they had to um, I wish I could find the, um, like, tapes. Yeah. This is 1986. They probably didn't keep them. Um, so, immediately, the fire department was dispatched, and when they got to the house, it was up. Lit like a Christmas tree. Like, totally on fire. Okay. So much smoke, and it was so hot that they literally couldn't do anything. They just had to watch it. Watch they it watched burn. it basically burn oh, um, because it was so intense and so hot. Which usually, when it, a fire is that intense and that hot, that means that an accelerant was yeah. used. So this is where the arson theory starts coming in. Okay, so supposedly Judy and Bill were murdered because there was a blackmail pot, plot with Bill Clinton involving her and being his escort. Okay. That's the gist of this story. Okay. But the weird thing is... Were they both in the house? They were both in the house. They both died in the house. So how did she... Hold on a second. Mm -hmm. So she called... She was able to call the fire department, but she wasn't able to get out of the house? Yep. Okay. This is where the weird shit starts happening. Okay. 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 So they found her with the phone still clutched in her hand on the floor next to the bed. He was at the window slumped over it. Oh my god. So they were like mid... They were trying to escape. Crazy. He was gonna lift up that window to jump out. Yeah. And she had called the police. And the autopsy says that they instantly died of smoke inhalation. 
I didn't think that was like an instant thing. You can't. I, that's what I thought. I thought it took at least a few minutes for you to die from smoke inhalation. But the autopsy report says that they died from smoke inhalation. They said that the fire was burning so hotly and so intensely that the smoke just filled the entire house. So it started at the front of the house near the um, front door. It never ever mentions in this report what caused the fire. If it was electrical, if it was an accelerant, nothing. Okay. So the weird thing is, too, that um, Bill Pewterbaugh was a big game hunter, and he would often go to Africa and up into the Canadian wilderness and shoot animals and bring them home and have them taxidermied, and they lined his front entrance. So they okay. said that all of these animals and fur, because he had a polar bear skin rug... Oh, God. In their front entrance. That's super bougie. It, oh, yeah. That's super fucking 1970s, bougie. 1970s, yeah. 1980s. Oh, my God. He had hawks that were stuffed. He had a black bear. He had full elk heads and deer just lined crazy. the front. And yeah. they said that this was the kindling. This is what made the fire so hot and intense because it was stuffing. It was taxidermied with chemicals. Yeah. So that's what they said made the fire so intense and burn so quickly. But their house was so big. That the fire marshal, let me find his name here. So many names on this searching, list. Searching, searching. Whatever. Okay, the fire chief Mosley. <laughs> um, fire chief Mosley said that it would have taken at least five to seven minutes for the fire at the front of the house to reach the back of the house where their bedroom was. Five okay. to seven minutes. Okay. So she called the, f- the fire department, and they should have had enough time to get out. Yeah. To get out the window. But somehow, they, like, instantaneously died. Did they ever say how long she was on the phone with the police department? Because she that's... She basically screamed into it and was like, hurry, 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 and then hung up. Okay. Because... Typically, what they like to do is keep somebody. Well, I on guess the if phone, it's in, if but if it's a in fire, house, yeah, I would say get the fuck out. <laughs> well, I'm thinking you would want to. And that's leave not why first. I work for the emergency yeah, right. service. Get the fuck out of there. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be my well, retort. <laughs> I just, that is like that's too weird. It's really fucking weird, weird, right? So this is why this case interests me so much. But it's it almost like I feel like it gets even weirder if you are. <laughs> position like that where you're like mid motion or mid whatever that's like an explosion or something if it's that instant like it has to be an explosion so the other weird thing was there was one room in the entire house that was basically untouched it had smoke damage and water damage from when they were putting out the fire but it basically didn't have any severe fire damage and that was her sewing room which was a little bit across the hallway and a little bit further back in the house. So their house kind of was like an L shape. Okay. Um, so it was like that extra additional room that was added on. And that's where she like would make costumes and stuff. That was her, you know, little escape sewing room. They found in the sewing room a tape recorder with the tape of Culture Club, the album Waking Up With My House on Fire. Oh my god! In the tape. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not laughing. I read that and oh I was like, "Are fucking kidding me?" Whoa! That's like that is can't be real. Creepy. It is in the newspaper. Is that? Is, it's in the newspaper. Actually, and that was something they actually like. It was not found. in the initial like newspaper, but like yeah. there was because what wound up happening is after their deaths, 
Um, Randy, who is Bill Pewterbaugh's brother, and Martha Gibbs, who is Judy's um, sister, Mm -hmm. they were trying to file reports. They had a private investigator um, come. They were convinced that Bill Clinton had something to do with their deaths. Okay. So her sister and his brother came together and were filing reports, and even his son got involved. So there was a lot of people who believed that this fire was on purpose. It was arson, and they thought that maybe it was Bill Clinton. So the fire chief, like, had mentioned. Wait, wait, wait. So was that tape actually? Yeah. They literally. I just they had a get private investigator that. go through, and they put uh, his son had them put it in the newspaper. I just that blows this my mind. This was a couple mind. years. I think two years after the fact. That's they were like, this crazy. Is, this was in the house. Like, to, and he's like, to me, that is not. An accidental fire. Like, that had to that's be a message. one hell of a coincidence if that's, like... Right? Yeah, I'm sorry. So, I just got the fire chief that. was like, when we got there, like, we didn't expect them to find them dead because she was able to call and the yeah. house was so large that it would have taken a considerable amount of minutes for it to go up in flames. And when they got in there, obviously, she was still holding onto the phone. And he was at the window, like, he was yeah. going to lift it up to get out. So, <laughs> the funny thing is... Her sister starts getting involved and, you know, trying to find some sort of evidence to support that Bill Clinton was involved and this was a conspiracy and that somebody set their house on fire. Um, Like I said, his brother got involved, his son got involved, and the investigation came up with, like, some weird coincidences. Like, you know, they did, everyone eventually found out that they had, you know, Judy and Bill Clinton were going on dates and that he had, when she was younger, bought her for the night. So... They kind of knew all these things were happening. The fucked up thing was, six weeks after they had died, Bill Pewterbaugh's son received a condolence letter from Bill Clinton saying, I am sorry for your loss. Bill Pewterbaugh was an amazing man. I worked with him previously. You know, I'm so sorry that you lost your father. Okay. So they didn't know that Bill Clinton and Bill... They knew... That a long time ago, like in the early 70s, Bill yeah. Clinton and him, you know, had discussed a deal for property that fell through. Okay. And to their knowledge, that was the only time yeah. that they had known. And then when they got this letter, like, what the fuck? And that's when they started in really investigating, like, how did he know my father? Okay. And that's when they're like, oh, well, Judy knew Bill Clinton and they were dating and they, you know, so it all started to kind of like mm. get mapped out and they're like, what the fuck is happening? Why, why do all these people know each other? Yeah. And then Martha Gibbs, Judy's sister, went to a rally that Bill Clinton was holding and approached him in front of press and said, I want to know what you know about my sister and why you killed her. What? And he was like... I'm sorry for your loss. Judy was a beautiful woman. I I met her once, is what he said. And I know you're hurt right now. And, like, just gave her this whole sad speech. Like, this is documented That's stuff. Crazy. And I'm like, see, this is where kind of... So, to me, my th- this is what my theory is. Okay. I believe that he knew both Judy and Bill Pewterbaugh. I believe that Bill Clinton did have a relationship with her, that he was... Using her as an escort, I believe that her boyfriend, well, I think they were actually engaged at the time, Bill and Judy um, Pirba, um, I believe he was complicit in this and that he was allowing her to go and have these weekends with him and in exchange get money and, you know, perks. 
But I don't believe that Bill Clinton <laughs> killed them. I believe, personally, that her brother-in-law had someone or did himself set their house on fire because she was, like, the number one. Well, and that seems a lot more plausible than the Clinton. Because pretty to... much right after that, her brother-in-law went to jail. I want to say maybe a year later, in 87. Um, so basically, my theory is that someone that he knew or he had hired him or he did himself. Yeah. Set that house on fire, and he knew that it That's wouldn't take crazy. much yeah. to get it to start. I don't think he had the intention of killing her. I think maybe it was like a warning, like, because they set it at the front of the house. Basically, the front door is where that entryway is where the fire started. I wonder if they could tell if it was set from inside of the house or outside of the house. And, that's See, even- and this is the thing that I had a hard time finding, because it was such a long time ago, there wasn't yeah. really any information about the fire itself. Yeah. There was mention of newspaper clippings, and they, like, showed there was a well, and even picture if, of it Even if they the had, a lot of that fire science now has been proven to actually so, be junk science, too. So That's the sewing room back there. Okay. That little room. And this is their bedroom. Okay. So that house, I mean, it was toast. If you look at this picture... Oh, is this, like, the rest of the house off to the, lo- the yeah, left here? Yeah, Area, so it's almost like if you a had back, a whole house like a shed in the back with an attached garage <laughs> is kind of what it looks like. I know yeah. it's not, but it's kind of like, and the whole house burns down except for the attached garage. And then garage. there's also the yeah. fireplace that there's was still standing. Nothing left nothing of that left. at all. Um and it's just Yeah. And they had a considerably large house. That's crazy, dude. So, that's my theory. I mean, according to uh Martha and Randy, the relatives of the deceased, um, they say that it couldn't be the brother-in-law because he wouldn't have enough money to hire somebody because he was basically broke. But if he was pimping her out when she was young, because that's where it started, right? then obviously he's going to have some money <laughs> hidden somewhere. Yeah. He's a crafty son of a bitch. He was a child molester for how many years before anyone caught on to it? Yeah. And he was... Pimping out children under the age of 15? I mean, I think it's completely in his power. I think he's completely capable of it. I think he set the house on fire one way or the other. Those are some bold claims. And I don't think that he was intentionally trying to kill him. I think he was trying to scare her into shutting the fuck up. Yeah. Um, And she just wound up dying. Is he still alive? I don't think so. I think he died in jail. Gotcha. Dale Bliss, you son of a bitch. I think you did it. (laughs) Man. Just look at him. Yeah. Ugh. And the, it's that's crazy. The Clint, the whole Clinton body bag theory it's a, a list. fucking rabbit hole. It's so there's just so many pictures of her. These are all yeah. of her test shots and stuff. Like she was she beautiful. Is gorgeous. Yeah. So she's a redhead, a blonde, a brunette. <laughs> it's all over the place. You can totally tell in black and white photos. That's not black and white. The t- the top two are. That is not a brunette. It could be a light, light brown. <laughs> what does it say? Auburn. <laughs> anyway. <Some> red hair. <laughs> uh, did you have anything left to add on? No, I mean, kids? that was, that was their case. It's really sad, but yeah. I mean, that's the one that stuck out to me that saying like this legitimately, I, someone was murdered. Whether it was yeah. Bill Clinton or not, someone was actually murdered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we do want to thank, uh, Wani. 
yes. for the listener suggestion. Thank you very much. Yes. This was good. I thought this was fun. And yeah, please send in some more. We, yeah. we love listener suggestions. Yeah, and I think um, we just we want to do stuff that you guys want to hear. So yeah. instead of us just picking the stuff we mm-hmm. want to talk, we'll talk about anything. Yeah, we like to have really. a conversation with you guys. Yeah, no kidding. Um, before we leave today, <laughs> let's uh, we'll leave you with some shout outs, some big news. Actually, let's start with that. Well, kind of big news. We did a little something, something. If you haven't seen it already, <laughs> yeah, we're trying to rep it hard. Yeah, um, we did an interview with uh, Mark from Red Velvet Ninja. Yeah, um, just kind of talking about you know what we do, like what yeah. is involved with creating content for a podcast. Yeah, um, he's a writer that we know. Yeah, so uh, check out his website. Um, he's a Twitter, Instagram. I think it's Quantum. Seven? Yes? This is how prepared we are. Hold on. Yes. Okay, his website is Red Velvet Ninjas. Yeah. So that for sure. And it sounds like he's actually doing a series of these where he interviews other content creators kind of about their process and the stuff that they're working on. Uh, I thought it was really fun. I I, I kind of like we did a really great job. It was very, very nice. I like the opportunity too for you guys as our listeners to kind of be able to get to know us on a more personal level versus just us talking about murder all the time. you know, screaming at you about murder. Um, Oh my god, why am I completely inept at this? (laughs) Here we go. What am I looking at? (laughs) That's just his name. The middle one. I know it's quantum, but I was looking at his Twitter handle. (laughs) I'm like, I know it's quantum. You should have been more prepared for this. It is literally just quantum seven. I was right. Yeah, nice. I have a memory. (laughs) So you can hit on Mark on Twitter at quantum seven. It's too early. I'm sorry, guys. It is. We're recording this at eleven thirty a.m. It's not too early. I know who that is. So oh we had a really God. great time. I am going to try and actually get that up on the on our website, um, thebadtastecrimecast.com. And if you guys haven't checked it out, please check it out. If you have questions for us, you can comment on mm-hmm. the video or on our Facebook. I know, I think he had said, too, if he gets enough um, interest in it, it might be we something might that we else. would do in the future again. So, yeah. um, which I think would be really fun to do. So, yeah, go ahead and check that um, out. Please send us into the, did you say the bad cat? Our, our Gmail account, right? Yeah. No, I said our, our website. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, also, you can email us at the Bad Taste Crimecast at Gmail. Um, we are also going to do a little um, prize. Are we? Yes. Oh, <laughs> I'm I putting, didn't. I'm I didn't putting, know about this. I briefly mentioned. Can I to win? You. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. You cannot win. That's a um, I don't want to so do that anymore. So, our then. first <laughs> Patreon subscriber at the five dollar mm. level. Um, hold on. I named all the levels something really ridiculous. Oh, Jesus. Here we go. <laughs> because I want people to have fun. I should have prepared more for this part because I forgot about it until I got here and I was like, oh, I have to write this down. <laughs> That's why I took my notes right before we started. To I see have look at this okay. one. I have my computer open and I have handwritten yeah. in my. We're most doing it live. Delicious. We're doing it live. Serial killer handwriting. God. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Damn you, Patreon. <laughs> Hold for technical difficulties. <laughs> Patreon does not want to load. Oh my god, it is like saying it is not available. <gasps> no! Okay, well, at the $5 level, if you donate, um, the first person to donate will get a wonderful and wicked evil gift basket. It's going to have all kinds of things in it. 
from a bunch of... See, it's just Patreon not okay, even working right so that's now. that's not us. That's it's not us. It's Patreon. Um, it will be working when you donate at the $5 level. <laughs> um, we're going to send you um, a cool little gift box full of some spooky treats from companies that... Um, are fans of the podcast, and I have worked with previously, yeah. so lots of creepy, cool, gory, weird stuff will be Sounds coming like your way. Fun. I'll be putting up some teaser pictures on our Instagram and our Twitter of things that you can win, so first person, $5 level, will win this prize. And we still have our challenge out to you guys to tell five people about our podcast. Yes. We don't do any advertising. It's all word of mouth. So as many people as you can suggest us to rate and review, subscribe on iTunes and Google Play or whatever podcasting platform you use. It's so, so, so helpful mm-hmm. about uh, getting us out there. Yeah, especially on iTunes. Please rate and review on there. Um, I'm going to be reading some of our iTunes reviews in the next couple of episodes. Yeah. Some of- Did we get some more? I think we have, like, six right now, oh, as, as this podcast is right that's now. That's new. Okay. Um, we're five stars. Hey. Yeah. Um, I will start reading some of them on air, because some of them are really hilarious yes. and very weird, and I appreciate what Ooh, people I like write. I read some, too. That's fun. Um, so, if you do an iTunes review, we will try and read it um, on air, so please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Alright, now that we're done talking about all that sh- <laughs> It. Yeah. You don't have to listen to us <laughs> pander to you people. Uh, Please help us. Yeah. We're so poor. We do have a couple <laughs> shout outs. Uh, I guess I'll start. Uh, my first one is for Jillian A on mm-hmm. Facebook and Instagram. She has been awesome. She's been liking yes. our pictures and been really engaging with us on she literally some platforms. Yeah. Tagged so us in you. a post right now. That's awesome. She is Goulian13. On Instagram. Yeah, oh my gosh. so give her a shout out, give her a check out, check it out, check, 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 check it, it out. out. <laughs> uh, so thank you, Jillian. Yes, I only had Mark as my shout out oh, this week, sorry. I'm happy to have the shout outs this week. Yeah, uh, my other turn. one then is uh, for Kristen O. So she actually sent us our very first listener email and it was really positive so i was so surprised i was just like oh this is emails about you know our website and all the shit we have to update and clean up and then i was like (laughs) so thank you for that kristen yes you made my week i was so excited like we have a listener mail vicky yeah i think it happened right as you were getting ready for that interview with mark Mm -hmm. too yeah (laughs) i was like all the things are happening and then I do have a suggestion this week. I always like to throw something out there for you guys. So let me ask you a question, Janelle. Okay. Do you like serial killers? With a C or an S? <laughs> Mom joke. I, don't I know, like with an S. I don't know why we're friends sometimes. <laughs> I don't know either. I don't know why anyone yes. listens to me. <laughs> uh, so there is actually a podcast called Serial Killers. Have you listened to this yet? I feel like... It's relatively new... Um, I think within the last couple Hold of months, it I is have a giant list of podcasts. Awesome! On my it is app. so good. If I, feel I had, like I did. I will tell you when I open it up. Yes, it it's had, on there. Okay, oh, nice. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. I think this sounds familiar. Yeah, I will tell you so when good. I open it up. I looked and I saw Ted Bundy and Eileen Warnos, and I was like, okay, it's the same stories that I've heard 
over and over and over again. But they use this really unique combination of voice acting and actual interviews and recordings Mm -hmm. to kind of look into the psychology of these serial killers and make it really, really interesting. So I would definitely give it a listen. So I haven't listened to it yet. So I will definitely listen. I have like 30 podcasts that I've saved, not even on my regular rotation, just the ones I've saved. And I'm like, listen to this next. Yeah. I need more hours in the day or less things to do. <laughs> less yes. important things, more podcasts. <laughs> and I think up until this point, we might not have mentioned this, but our episodes come out bi-weekly on Sundays. Yes. So For people you, who are confused. <laughs> yeah. You will get another episode in two weeks on Sunday. Let's see. This one will come out. Oh, God. Here we go. What's a calendar? Yeah, right. Um, Sometime in May. <laughs> this one will come out, it looks like May 7th, so the mm-hmm. next one should be out on May 21st. Um, as of right now, we're just doing bi-weekly. Yeah. I mean, if this grows and we get more listeners, you know, we might be able to do some special stuff for our Patreon. Like, Not making any promises. No, no. We're not going to make any promises. I'm just saying, but like... It's possible, yeah, definitely. The more you guys want to hear from us, the more we will try to give you something, whether it be a, a small snippet of something for our Patreon supporters, if you go on there and look um there's some cool stuff for each level that you donate or you know there's an upcoming episode where i'm going to go do a little short video in front of something these are things that <laughs> i don't even know about oh yes it's i'm doing i'm doing some really interesting right. teaser trailers so prepare We're gonna yourself. stop plugging all of our shit you guys have heard us listen to me yeah. uh well i think that's it for the episode our sound and editing is done by tiff Weech. we remember yeah our music is done by jason z um what i want to thank vicky for being a great Co-host. <laughs> I would thank Janelle for being a great co-host. Stop, girl. <laughs> Tiff gave me this look. No, I still don't know how to say his last name forever. I think he's going to be just forever Jason Z. So yeah. way cooler. Jason Z. Yeah. So that has been the Bad Taste Crimecast. I am Vicky. And I'm Janelle. And we will see you guys in two weeks. Thank you. Bye. Bye. In Los Angeles, a killer, <laughs> the police are calling the Hillside Strangler, has murdered ten young women and left their bodies on the hillsides along the highway. It was as if a wave of evil washed over this town. We are all people. Some form.